You know, so our theme this year is Merry and Bright. And has there ever been a year where people are more hungry for something merry and bright? I think that future generations are going to use this year as a verb. So think about it. A guy's going to go for some huge air on his snowboard. He's going to land, not only break his snowboard, but he's going to break his leg. And what will his buddies say? They'll say, oh man, he 2020'd it. Right? That's how our kids are going to be using this year in the future. We need merry and bright. Not something passing to numb us, but something weighty to sustain us. Keep listening. I have great news for you. So if you haven't already, turn or tap over to Isaiah chapter 8. Old Testament book, you might need to go to the beginning or, you know, kind of find your way to it, but get your way to Isaiah chapter 8. I want you to look at it. Remember how we all welcomed 2020, right? Happy New Year. Uh, Anyone want to take that back? Maybe take back the welcome that you ushered in for this year. Think about how naive we all were right? Making our plans, thinking that we knew what was coming, thinking that we were generally in control, that this year would be generally like last year. We forgot to add one simple phrase to all of our planning and all of our preparation of what was to come. These are words that really mean something, and it's this, if God wills. So in other words, I'll take that trip in 2020, if God wills. I'm going to watch the Summer Olympics, if God wills. I'm going to go out to eat inside of a restaurant, if God wills. So if God wills wasn't added, perhaps, I think we've learned that we need to begin adding that again into our vocabulary. You know what one plan uh, didn't get ruined that's immune from 2020? Here it is, ready? It's Bible reading plans. Bible reading plans are immune from 2020. They didn't mess up my Bible reading plan at all. Some of you have started to purposely feed yourself and your soul by reading regularly from God's word in 2020. Congratulations. That's so amazing. I celebrate with you. Some of you maybe for the very first time read through all of scripture in 2020. Congratulations. Maybe you're actually a few days from ending. Finish up. Get it done. The 31st is coming. So not only did 2020 not ruin those plans, I would, I would say this. I think they actually enhanced my Bible reading plan. Any of you come across scripture that you read this year that brought on a whole new level of meaning and light? I want to challenge you to begin making your 2021 Bible reading plan right now. Begin to set aside, what, God, what do, you, what do you have for me? For some of you, it may be to simply start. Take the first step of gaining the habit of feeding your soul directly from God's word. You know, we read the Bible because it's God's revelation. It is God's light to us. We read the Bible because we are in the dark And we need to find our way. So the phrase in the dark can mean a few different things, right? It can mean that we are ignorant of something, that we don't know what's going on. Uh, A week ago Friday, uh, my second oldest son, Ethan, turned his girlfriend into a fiance with one simple question. It's magic how that works. And in love, 
Ethan kept his girlfriend, now fiance, in the dark. So he got engaged over at the Almaden Winery, which is where they had taken pictures for the prom, so it's a meaningful spot for them. And he brought my wife and I into it, and we had gone there the night before to test this all out, but I was there hiding in the rose bushes in the dark, setting up tripods, trying to get my angles right for when he would drop to his knee and pop the big question. While I'm there in the dark, a neighborhood woman is walking her dog. I'm on all fours, setting down my camera bag, sneaking around in the dark, and I thought, what can I do to convince this woman that this is a good thing? That me being here in the dark is for good, not for evil? So um, I thought of a lot of things, but here's what came out of my mouth. Good evening. Like just sort of put it out there and she didn't answer me. So I don't know if she, I don't know what she thought my intentions were, but Ethan kept his girlfriend in the dark for her good out of love. I was hiding in the dark for something good. But you know, being in the dark can also feel like a nightmare, can't it? The whole world is in the dark, not knowing things right now. What's up with COVID-19 and when will this not dominate the news cycle. When is my school going to have some classmates that I'm not related to? I mean, these are the things we're wondering. To vaccine or not to vaccine? And when? The world is in the dark. We're in the dark about how to do our jobs now, or if we even have our jobs still. We're in the dark about what God is up to in all of this. What's the big picture? And in the dark may describe some of you emotionally right now. Loneliness and depression and agitation are through the roof, brought on by isolation. I want to challenge you to give yourself a little self-test right now. I want you to evaluate two things. Number one is this, evaluate what you fear. What is it that right now, if you just were to have some quiet moments, maybe the answer is on the tip of your tongue because you know it intimately, but if you were to settle yourself down and say, what is it that I really fear? That's question one. Here's question two. What are you waiting for? Or what are you waiting on? What is it that when, when you go down to the bottom of sort of what, what is most weighty in your life, what is it you're really waiting for? What are you waiting on? You know, Isaiah, where we're going to read this morning, was a prophet who lived 700 years before the first Noel, a long time before Jesus shows up. And I want to show you how much light his writing sheds on dark times. Oh, say like the last 10 months or so in America and the world. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11, listen carefully. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, listen to this, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. Verse 16, preserve the teaching of God and trust his instruction to those who follow. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. If you're new to our live stream or new to our church, 
This is not an abnormal Sunday for us. We are going to look at the scriptures together as an act of worship. We're here today to preserve the teaching of God. We're here to fear God and wait on Him alone. Put your hope in God. That's the message of Isaiah 700 years before Jesus came. It's the message of, Je- of, of, of what we need 2,000 years after Jesus came. You know, looking to the cross forever shows us that God is at work all the time, especially in the dark when we can't see it. So being in the dark isn't just ignorance. It also has a connotation of participating in evil and sin. I know that you're in Isaiah, so just listen carefully. Jot this down. Someone can put it in live stream if they want. Romans 1, 21 to 32. I'm not going to quite read uh, all of it, but here it goes, starting in verse 21. For although they knew God... They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Hear how important thinking is in both of these passages? And their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 24, therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. Verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. Friends, the world is in the dark ignorant, and neck deep in sin. On a cold winter's night that was so deep. That's the lyric from the first Noel. What a description of a world without Jesus. What's worse is that the world is trapped in this. Always winter, but never Christmas, writes C.S. Lewis in the beloved Narnia books. So what is the hope for getting out of the dark? Enter the embodiment of Mary and Bright. Thanks to Lauren for reading our verse this morning. I want to actually show you this morning the context of this prophecy that is so often heard and quoted and read and sung and seen in print around this time of year. That for unto us a child is born, a son is given. There's context around this. We just started it with chapter 8. Here's the spoiler alert, okay? The child is what makes this season merry and bright. The gift is a son. But to really appreciate the gift, you must see how great the darkness is. I think you'd all agree that everyone looks somewhere to light their darkness. We all experience darkness. Everyone's looking to get out some way. Christianity promises hope that is not from this world. It is fundamentally different from any light that is from this world. And I think therein lies a fundamental difference in where people are looking. So number one is that people look for light from the world to save them. 
This is a prevailing idea in the Bay Area and to humanity and to the world, that, that, that humanity and the world will rescue us from our darkness. I had a chance to tour Apple Park uh, with a friend. And as, as a wannabe architect, um, as a lifetime San Josean, and as an Apple guy, it was a thrill to wander around this amazing campus. What a treat. Utterly fantastic. At this location, previously, now they're spread throughout the world, Apple would sort of coalesce all these bright and, and, and ingenious minds, and they would, they would get together, and these were some ambitious people. And you know what they would do? They would create. They would just do amazing things from this location. But Steve Jobs is not our savior. Neither is Tim Cook. Neither is anyone else who makes the headlines that creates incredible products that that blow your mind. Many assume that we will get ourselves out of the darkness, and it's naive to look anywhere else. People look to the state. People look to science, to growing knowledge. Others look to hard work or technology. And they say that is where the light is going to come from, from our darkness. In an I Love Lucy uh, episode, Ricky comes home from work to find Lucille Ball crawling around on all fours as only Lucille Ball can do. What are you doing? He exclaims. I'm looking for my earrings, she replies. You lost your earrings in the living room? No, she says. I lost them in the bedroom, but the light is so much better out here. Classic Lucy. You know how often we use similar logic to solving our own lostness and finding answers. Isaiah reports that people in his day were looking to the smart and to the spiritual for answers. People today are looking to the earth and its experts instead of to God. This is nothing new. If you have this open on a on a you know, digital tablet or, or physically in front of you, I want you to look at these words as I read. I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 19 says this. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, catch this, they will tell us what to do. The prophet is describing what we see in our day. People looking to humans to save humanity. The prophet goes on to ask the obvious. He says, but shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teaching. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse at the king and at God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Humanity's helplessness causes people to lash out. Whose fault is this? We're already looking to other humans. Now we're going to blame other humans that can't help us. It's frustrating. You know, embedded in the Christmas story is the reality 
that help doesn't come from humanity. 1 John 9 says this. It says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Didn't come from the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Humans are helpless to shine their own way out of their own darkness. In fact, a sure sign of the depth of human depravity, the darkest of all thinking, the most dangerous is this, not realizing that you are even in the dark. So light from the world will never save us, but light of the world will. A light from outside of us. Isaiah's words were this, wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. And then he goes on to write this incredibly famous prophecy for us to hear. Isaiah 9, 1, starting before the verses that we had read, say this, Nevertheless, remember he left it in the end of chapter 8 in dark despair because people were looking to the experts and the spiritualists and all that to find help. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Oh, that's good news. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. And there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness, you know it, will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people will rejoice. Verse 4, you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod. Verse 5, the boots of the warriors and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be burned. What does that mean? Verse 5 just says, there's going to be peace on earth. Very next verse, this verse we just heard, let me read it again. For a child will be born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Hear me, the light of the world is not from this world. This is the light that saves us out of our darkness, the great light. Light that comes to us, not light that comes from us. But wait, there's more. So we don't just see and get saved by this light. We actually become light. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 5, 8 says this. For at one time you were darkness. Do you see that? It's not just that we were in the dark. 
It says you were darkness. It's describing the depravity, what we are born into. Not just sins, plural, actions that we do, but sin collectively, the state that we're born into. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper. And to rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Here's the conclusion of all of this. It's not that just we're pulled out of the light. We get to become the light as we're one with Christ. But how is this possible? How does Jesus, the light of the world, name us this way? That you will be light. You will be salt. How is this possible? What does it mean to be the light of of the world. I want you to consider just the, the, the nature of light for a moment. The nature of light is that it wins out over darkness every single time. Every one of us owns a flashlight. No one has invented a flash dark, right? You can't turn on um, your, your flash dark and somehow have dark dispel the light. We see this in nature every single day. Nothing holds back the light. It always wins out. You go back to the Genesis creation story, Genesis 1, 3, and God said, let there be light, and guess what? There was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness, called the the light day and the darkness he called night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And we continue this tradition Today, this morning, the sun came up. The light pushed back the darkness. And the light is good. Light reveals the truth. Walk into any room as an experiment this week and don't turn on a light. You won't know what's in front of you. If you have children or pets, you may be in for a surprise because your room may have changed since the last time that you walked into that. Now, I don't recommend this, but if you were driving and your headlights went out both at the same time, you would all of a sudden have a deep appreciation for light. Why? Because the light reveals what actually is. And to feel your way along is exceedingly unnerving and highly dangerous. I want you to consider the humble yet amazing light bulb for a moment. The light bulb is dead when disconnected from the electrical current. It still exists if it's not plugged in, but it's dark. And it's not just dark as in it's not giving light, but it fundamentally is missing its calling. Right? This light bulb unplugged in is is missing its calling, its essence, if it is not plugged in. This unplugged nature of a light bulb describes the warping effect of sin. In fact, I would say that an unplugged light bulb is sinning. You say, well, that's awfully harsh, Dave. What did the light bulb ever do? It doesn't even know it's unplugged. Precisely. But wouldn't you agree with me that 
this bulb, if it goes through its entire life, and by the way, sin means to miss the mark. If this light bulb goes through its entire life unlit, we would all agree that this poor light bulb missed the mark, right? That it, 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 um, its glory was not realized. Uh, to, to go unplugged through all of life is to deny the designer, the glory and the wonder that that light bulb was designed to produce and be. Its glory is not realized. What Ephesians 2 says, we are all dead in our sins. But what happens when you connect a light bulb to the power source? It radiates and affects its surroundings. Listen to this. By a power that is in the light bulb, but not from the light bulb. Big difference, right? The light bulb can't wish itself on. It can't radiate brighter. It needs to connect to the power source. That's the only way that the light bulb is seen for the glory of which it's designed. We are all born broken because of sin. We are born in the dark. But God, those are my two favorite words in all of Scripture. We get all kinds of descriptors of what life is like on the always winter, never Christmas season. But God, he made us alive in Jesus. Literally, God brings us from the darkness into the light. But then he goes on to make us the light. This is not self-generated. Rather, we are brought. It's something that happens to us. Literally, someone turned on the light for us and then turns on the light in us. This is what a redeemed Christian life looks like. These are the people that turned the world upside down when they got plugged into God in this way. This is the message of Christmas. Something that God does in us and for us. Not something that we have to do. In fact, the first step in receiving it is understanding you can't shine your way out of your darkness. Neither can your neighbor. Neither can your governor. Neither can your president. No one can shine us out. Tech gurus, they don't have a chance. Hard work, not a chance. You cannot shine your own way out of the dark. Merry Christmas. Here's the gift that God gives to us. 1 John 4, 9 says, God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. It was so fun to be there uh, a couple Friday nights ago to watch my son get on one knee and propose to his girlfriend. God's marriage proposal began in sort of a small town, out of the way stable. And he didn't just drop down to one knee. He dropped down into history. And that's his proposal. He loves you. He is shining light on that. He is manifesting that by his actions. And he invites you into an amazing life of an adventure. You know, isn't a wedding proposal more than just asking if you'll be married? 
a proposal. If I'm the woman, I say, what are you proposing? What's your life like? What adventure are we going on? And oftentimes, when I went to my now father-in-law and asked for Becky's hand in marriage, he began to cry, which was either a great sign or a terrible sign. It turns out to be it was a great sign. But then he asked me questions that it's appropriate for a father to ask. What's your plan, young man? This is my daughter whom I love. What's your plan? So I laid out my plan. I didn't have many details to my plan. I was working hard. I saw about five minutes in front of me, but I told him what I knew. And I thought, man, this is, this is a little bit like the, the life God invites us into. It's not a business proposal where we have the whole thing laid out. It's an adventure, but it's a proposal that says, you trust me, you take my hand. When you take God's hand, everything changes. I did that when I was 17 years old. I'm no longer 17 years old. There's not a day that's gone by that that hasn't ranked as the number one decision and the best decision I have ever made in my entire life. So a simple yes is what's being extended to you. We are able to receive Jesus. Jesus comes to his own people, the Jews, and they reject him. Christianity has always been heralding the good news of God and offering people to receive it. There's nothing bigger than saying yes to God. So here's the action item. The action item for you is plug in and shine bright in this season. And then once this season's over, however you define the season, keep on going. Stay plugged in. You know, our church's heart is to plug you into Jesus. We don't want you to plug into our church. We're not really trying to build our church brand name. God, for a season, has allowed Neighborhood Bible Church to get to partner with him in heralding the great news of who Jesus is. I want you to plug into Jesus. You know what Jesus will tell you to do? He'll say, go get with a family. Go get plugged into a church. Go be part of a family. I didn't adopt you out of loneliness so you could go Lone Ranger it. I adopted you out of your loneliness, out of your despair, and I've put you into a family. So the most natural thing is that Jesus will lead you into plugging into a good church. I would love if you plugged in to Neighborhood Bible Church. But my message today is this, plug in to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our power source. Plug in and he will draw you where you need to go. As you look at lights this season, as you drive around and, and enjoy all those different lights, I hope that you will appreciate life, I mean light, for its goodness. Maybe even tonight, you'll, you'll see light in a fresh way. You'll remind yourself, yeah, light is good. Light reveals the truth. And maybe this will lead you to worshiping God. I want you to see each different light bulb, and I want you to let it be a reminder that the power comes from outside the light bulb, but it resides in the humble light bulb. Here's the other thing powerful as you think about light bulbs. They shine in all their different ways. All their, some are blinking, some are tiny, some are white, some are really colorful. As you see all the great variety, know that God uses each bulb for his purpose and for his glory. The other thing beautiful about light bulbs, we don't sit and worship light bulbs. We don't sit in glory in how they radiate and stare at them. In fact, what we do is we, our eyes are drawn, our attention is drawn, our wonder is drawn on by what they reveal. 
by a truth and a reality in a world that is so much bigger than a light bulb. Let's pray. God, I think there are just so many people in our community who feel about as fragile today as a light bulb. It seems that December brings about a season where it's easier to be happy, easier to be feel warmed and, 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 and joyful, but it's also so much easier to feel frustrated and disappointed and nostalgic and maybe bitter about what isn't. God, I pray that in your miraculous personal power, would you meet us all right where we're at today? God, we aren't looking for a feel-good service that for an hour and 15 minutes will either distract us, numb us, or sort of draw us into something warm and, 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 and then we'll go back to our regular life. God, we need something every single day that keeps us plugged into you. Would you give us the grace to realize the most important moments of our day are to sit at your feet and stare at you, to be in wonder of who you are, God, thank you for this season of Advent, of coming, of waiting, of eager anticipation. We read in Romans chapter 8 that actually all of creation is in a season of Advent all the time. Eagerly looking forward to the final restoration. This this government, this peace that will last forever and ever. And God, our adoption into your family actually reveals to us that we are waiting for something. Our hope is not in this world. Thank you, thank you, thank you for exposing the fraud this year. That these things we numb ourselves with, distract ourselves with, entertain ourselves with, all these hard places we're going, God, your light has shone. Many have realized their ladder that they're scrambling up and shoving others out of the way in front of them is leaned up against the wrong building, getting to a place they don't even want to be in. God, we sit with you. We celebrate with you. We enjoy and we savor the goodness of light. Lord, the the deep abiding joy that you bring to us. Thank you. It's in your son's precious name.